everyone, and welcome to episode five of Break the Ice. Uh, today, joined by Nicholas Backstrom. Apologies for the uh, the long delay between episode four and episode five. We we're actually going to do this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I was felled by whatever uh, whatever illness was running through the uh, the room there for uh, a few weeks, uh, and we had to scotch it for that day. And we're back today. Um, it's been a pretty remarkable what. 30-some days of the new year here so far um, with Nick signing a five-year contract extension to stay in Washington and um, Ovi's tear. Uh, I don't think uh, I've seen one like that recently, but um, Nick, first, I mean, congrats on on staying here. We're all excited about that. Um, but, but you know, the time that you've spent here, 13 years now, and um, the time that you're going to be spending here, um, gets me thinking about how it all started uh, for you here. Um, you know, the dra- the draft is a uh, an interesting operation every year. And you know, when you're when you're projected to go in the second or third round, I think you have like just a you, you might have a random idea of where you might go or what teams might be interested just from how your interviews went and everything. But when you're when you go into the draft as the number one European, number one ranked European skater, and there's just you know a finite number of teams that are you're not going to last very long. Um, just wondering, like when you sat down that day in Vancouver in the stands, you probably were pretty sure you were going in the first five picks there. Did you have any inkling? That it would be Washington? Did you think it could be Chicago? Were you hoping for anything? expecting anything yeah i mean i think well first of all thanks for having me on and um well i think coming over there i mean first of all if you go back a couple of months earlier you have that um combine combine and i was playing the world championship that that Mm -hmm. year so i was like so i just got back and then like i told my agent like i don't know if i can do this so so i actually backed out of the combine Mm. so I, i wasn't there so so then when we came to Vancouver um, a couple of days earlier, you know, a lot of teams wanted to meet wanted to meet with me. Like uh, most of the teams, top top ten picks, and and uh, we landed in in Vancouver, and and all all luggage is gone. We we don't have any luggage. We're waiting one day, like no luggage shows up, and then and then. Obviously, like, I had one suit with me because I was going to wear it at the <laughs> draft night. And when you go around th- those meetings, like, I meet other players. I'm like, oh, wow, like, nice. You, you, like, you're well-dressed with suit and everything. And I'm showing up with shorts, T-shirt, like, sneakers. I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. But then uh, <laughs> finally, it was fine with the meetings. And then, and then the day before the draft, our luggage arrived. So... At least I looked decent that that night, but uh, I mean, obviously, there's there's um, you're a little nervous about stuff, and but uh, I think the most uh, scary part was probably Washington's meeting because they had so many people in there. There were, I remember talking to to the owners and uh, and the GM after that, and I think there were maybe twenty twenty five people in there, so uh, that was kind of. It's kind of nervous about that, but um, at the same time, I mean, maybe that was the team who who really wanted me. It's funny you say that too, because I sat in on a lot of those uh, meetings, those uh, 
interviews in those days and they are they are intimidating because you know it's a hotel suite and there's like you say 18 or 20 scouts just circled around this poor kid in the middle and they make you sing a song tell a joke you know all kind of stuff try to calm you down but man it's it's like a job interview on steroids with that many people there you know having a, a say in in your future and I think they realized over the years that 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 maybe wasn't as effective because nowadays they they typically streamline it they only have two three four guys in the room when they they'll, they'll have their head scout like Ross and, and Steve Bowman will be in there and they'll have maybe a, a regional guy or two in there it's it's a lot more uh it's a lot less intense now and I think it's it's yeah. a little easier for guys to deal with and actually the thing too like when you're looking back at the questions you're like you obviously you don't want to give the, the the wrong answers you're overthinking the situation so but one question that really popped up in my head late, like right after it was like um do you drink alcohol that's a normal question they asked and you're like well i had beers before but should i say this or not like yeah sometimes <laughs> like you're kind of like panicking but at the same time it's uh yeah is it a trick question yeah, tricky question <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah when you're 18 yeah um well i think you know it's interesting too that Probably, given the way you played that year at, at Brinus, that there wasn't a whole lot of reason to, to see you at the combine. I mean, you were, I think you led that team in scoring. You were rookie of the year. Um, what went into you having so much success? And, and you alluded to the world championships. I'm pretty sure you were the youngest Swedish player ever to play for his team in the Worlds that year, too. I mean, that's that's the kind of success that, that's pretty evident you know, you can easily skip the combine and still still go as the the fourth overall pick. But what went into you having so much success as an eighteen year old in, in that league? Because it's it's not an easy league to. No, I mean I think um, so. I got drafted '06, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so Washington wanted me to come over that first year. So I actually went over on the rookie camp or development camp yep. in midsummer there, but um, I didn't sign any contract. Because I felt like um, I want to just develop a little bit more and get some more experience, and I wasn't I wasn't playing in a national team at home, and I think that's that's a pretty good stage for for a young player to develop and and uh, play a lot, and and I think that that was kind of it. I mean, I I I played with Henrik Sederberg in the national team, and I, I asked him, and. Uh, he actually told me that that year. He said, "You know what? Uh, I stayed an extra year, and and um, I mean, you, the only the only thing it's gonna do to you, it's gonna be good for you that you develop in your own um, your own tempo here. So, I mean, I think that's something that really that I really thought about, and and got some more experience in the internationally before coming over here." But, um, I mean, as of today, I mean, I'm happy about that, that I stayed an extra year. So, um, time to grow up a little bit. Yeah, if you could do that over, you'd, you'd yeah. still stay the, yeah. the extra year. I mean, Ovi did the same thing, and he said he says the same thing. You know, it was absolutely important for me to do that. And it's interesting that you brought up Zetterberg, too, because the year you were drafted, the, the Red Line Report, um, which is a pretty good – it's it's a scouting sheet service that's been in – 
existence for decades, and most of the NHL front offices subscribe to it. I read it every year. Um, we had the guy that had Scout on uh, a podcast that we did before the draft, and he said, look, you guys, the Caps have that fourth overall pick. There's a kid in Sweden who's a center. He's going to have a career like Henrik Zetterberg. He compared you absolutely to Zetterberg and said, this is the guy you should draft because if you draft him, you've already got Ovechkin. These two guys for, for the next 10 years or so are just going to dominate. They're going to be great together. He, he nailed it before the draft. He did, eh? Yeah, I'd never <laughs> seen you, you know, and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, interesting, you know, so kudos to him. Kyle Woodleaf uh, is his name. He's still still doing it, but uh, I thought that was uh, kind of fascinating. When I look back at those, uh, I took some time to look back at those scouting reports, not just uh, Redline, but ISS, uh, the, the Central Scouting, Hockey News. There were two traits that were kind of common in, in both of them. Obviously, the vision your vision on the ice, the, the unparalleled, still is. Um, but competitiveness, too. They said this guy is a championship player because he competes so hard. And, and I've seen that over the years for sure. But your fire is a, is a quieter fire, but it, it burns really hot. Now, <laughs> what I would like to know is, as a kid growing up, and you, you obviously you had the, the advantage of your dad having played pro, uh, you know, when he was – a younger man, your, your brother played as well. But where did that come from? How do you develop competitiveness and how do you develop the vision that, that, that you've had and displayed here for, you know, a decade and a half now? So I think competitiveness comes from the family. I mean, I, I think it's coming from mom and dad and my brother. I think we're all very competitive. And I think looking back at my, my childhood too, let me, Friday, Saturdays when we were at home. I mean, we were there was always a game that was gonna play, like board game, like mm. table hockey or cards or something was going on, and uh, there was always, always a fight. You always wanted to win, and it doesn't matter if my dad was older than us and we were what, like ten years old. Like he would not let us win. He would be so. So my mom actually had, sometimes had to step in and like, Dad, like let them win, like one one time. He's like, he is as stubborn as as all of us. So he's like, no, I'm I'm gonna, I want to win too. <laughs> so always Friday or Saturday nights there it was always games be played and and um, that's I think that's coming from there. Yeah. So I think me me my my brother always competed too. We played in street hockey. Um, so, I mean, I think just l- learning, because I was the youngest, you have to you have to try to be at the same level as them. I think it's coming from there. And I always, when I was younger, I played against uh, older guys too, uh, which I think helped a lot. And you're developing quicker. What about the vision? Yeah, the vision is, I think, to be honest, that's just a gift. And it's probably hard to practice that, I think. I mean, I think in some way you can practice it. But, I'm, I mean, when, we're, when we were young, we were... I mean, a lot of times we had some free ice, like all the kids were just skating around and, and playing games, like small small games. 
which I think maybe helped a little bit with the vision. But uh, most of it, I, I just think I've had it since I was a kid. And, and yeah, I mean, I think some players got it and some players not. So it's just the way it is, I think. Did you watch a lot of hockey? Like when you weren't playing, were you watching it on TV? Cause yeah. Because I think that helps a lot yeah, too. Yeah, I think that too. Uh, I was actually, um, so my dad was a GM for, for Brunas. Mm. When I was younger, and uh, obviously I watched almost all the games live, and I I I liked I really liked the studying people, how they were doing on the ice, and how they were just small things like yeah how they were acting like I could follow like the one instead of watching the whole play, I would watch one guy how he played and how he skated what positions he was in so uh, so you're right i mean that probably has something to do with that how he was turning his head looking yeah. making sure uh, uh he was at the right spot and he created time for himself and and i think that helped and brina's had a good team back then too they won the championship so um i had some good players to watch i mean when we were there for your cup day and and Christian Uses Cup Day as well. Um, going through the locker room of the the Brinus rink and those plaques that were on uh, the walls there that you know some of them were championship seasons, but they had the rosters of all the players. And you look at it was like a who's who yeah. Swedish hockey. They, you know, early in your dad's career, um, they won, and you, you see names like Naslin, Hammerstrom, Salming, Silverberg, and then later on they win again, and it's Use, Valin, Nylander. You know these these big names that are known to all North American hockey fans now, too. I, I wondered, what makes that area such a hockey hotbed? Because Yavl is not that big of a town. It's like maybe 100,000 or so. There's so many players, so many good NHL players that have come from that area of the, of the country. What is it about that area that's so special that produces so many players? Well, I think, I think first of all, hockey is by far the number one sport there. And I think Brynäs is an, is an old club with the... Yeah, they started early with the, with hockey and, and and after that they, they just brought in like players from, from the district. Like they brought in everyone. Everyone wanted to play for Brynäs. They got so big like in, in the market. So... Um, as you said too, I mean a lot of good players has been there, and a lot of NHLers has gone through that. So I mean I think, I think Brina is probably one of the top team, like producing NHL players. I think so, and their their biggest years was probably between seventies and eighty mm. five or so. That's when your dad was there. Yeah, was playing there. Yeah. So I think. Um, think they were just dominating then and and I think one thing too the the mentality back then was more it doesn't matter if they won a game if they had a winning streak that the next day they were battling i this is coming from my dad, but they were battling next day practice they almost they wanted to win, yeah, they wanted to win in practice too, like it was not so that's why I think they got better and better and just dominating those years because they had so many so many competitive players and and they just wanted to to win it doesn't matter if it was practice or or games and uh, I think that mentality is just 
it's trying to still be there. So that's why they've been so, so successful, I think. There's a lot of coaches that talk about that, that talk about making practice intense so that it, it feeds the, the game. But, man, it's it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, who are the centers that you grew up watching and, and wanting to be like and, and, and trying to emulate as, as you're getting older? Well, my favorite player when I grew up was Peter Forsberg, obviously. I, like, I loved watching him. I mean, I think he was probably – if not, when he was at his best, maybe top three of all time. I don't disagree with you. I think he was just dominating when he was healthy. And, um, I mean, Matt Sundin, too. I mean, coming from Sweden. So, um, I mean, you, you had a lot of players. But, I mean, I I think me personally, before I had before I had the goal NHL, I wanted to play in the Swedish Elite League, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking up to players in in that team like um yeah a lot of guys there on their team like like uh, like I said I was studying them and how they were playing and then I was trying to take after them and the step after that that's when I really got into Peter Forsberg when he was in the NHL and that was um yeah so I would say Peter Forsberg was probably my biggest idol what was it like for you to play on national teams with some of those guys and then to play against them as a as a young player in the NHL as they were kind of finishing up their their careers here? Well, I think I think my first practice there uh walking into the locker room with the big boys there I had the full shield on and I was just I was so nervous. I'm never going to forget it. Like the only thing I was thinking about do not miss a pass. So I was coming in. I was had a lot another locker room. I was coming into them. I mean, they had had to go through the practice. That's what they did back in the day. And so the coach went through the practice, and actually the captain there. Then he goes, "You sit down right next to me." So he he was his name is Tommy. So he was really really nice and took care of me because I was. You probably saw that I was really nervous. <laughs> So, but I mean, playing with all those players, I mean, I think it's just helped me along the way because uh, I've gotten so many good advices and, and I mean, I played with uh, Andreas Dackel too and he played yes. for Montreal Canadiens and Ottawa. I mean, a guy like that, he was at the end of his career when I came up and um, such a nice guy, just like, doesn't matter if he was over here for many years. Like there was no, no fancy about him. He was just a regular guy, and he really took care of the young guys. Even if we're we're making everyone's making mistakes, but he was. I mean, when you see guys like that with such a great careers, I mean, it's it's amazing. I remember you telling me that about, about Dackel. Uh, God must have been a year or two after you came here yeah um that that he had a big uh, big influence on you yeah. uh, as a young guy and and I think you know then once you got here too there were there were some other guys and we'll get to that but at what stage did you did the NHL like you said you your goal is to play in the Swedish elite league at what point did the NHL sort of come on your radar and you thought hey uh I could do that and how many NHL games did you see or watch or so, uh, I was watching a lot of NHL, yeah. actually. It was on TV a lot. Um, 
I mean, a lot of a lot of times it was playback, but the next day. But uh, I, w- I was watching a lot. But honestly, I, I would say NHL became a goal maybe uh, after my first year in Swedish Elite League, mm. when people start started talking about I could get, I could be drafted and stuff like that. And I mean, before that, I was like. I mean, my goal was Swedish Elite League to play there in the national team. And uh, when they started talking about me and the scouting reports and stuff like that, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get drafted. So it was kind of like, mm. I don't know, I wasn't thinking about about it much. And I think that was a good thing. You just yeah, you just played and, and see what happened. From what you saw when you were watching those NHL games to, to finally playing in one and you know, obviously, the, the the biggest adjustment for for Europeans is the the size of the rink. Um, could you see, as you were watching it, like what would what would be necessary to make that adjustment, or or was it something that you had to to play through? Yes, I think I think the style of play was obviously different, and um, it actually took some time to to get used to. I think I think it's harder to see it on TV. Because then you're like, oh, it looks pretty similar. But then you play it, you're like, oh, this is not similar. And you don't have that much time as you have in Sweden. You can actually cut back and, and I mean, the corners too. I mean, it's it's tighter here. And, and But, I mean, I think I think that's an adjustment. I mean, if you are a good player, you, you make that adjustment. And it takes some time. It took some time for me, but eventually you get used to it. And now I, I love that style even better than the the bigger ink. And, and the year that you did sign the contract and come over here, um, Michael Nylander was here. They had just signed him, uh, probably two months before. Or so, um, how much? And, and I think you lived with with him. I remember somebody the day you signed your contract, somebody saying, "Well, you know, Nylander's here, and he's got like six kids, and he said he'd be happy to help you out if you babysit his kids." <laughs> And uh, I, I think that that's probably how it wound up working out. It's it's kind of odd now that you know you're you're sort of in that position now where if if a young player were to come here, young Swedish guy, let's say, um, I mean that could be a babysitter for for, for you and your yeah, and I mean your, free babysitter. Yes, I'll, right. I'll never say no to that. Yeah, it's tough to beat. No, but uh, with Michael, yeah, no, him and his family was just outstanding to me. I mean, I I didn't live there, but I had my own mm. apartment. But at the same time, I think. They were they were awesome. I mean, Michael, his his wife Camilla, with all the kids too. Like they're, I always went home there for for dinners. Mm. I mean, if I, anyone didn't know, I mean, Michael is a great cook. So I mean, I think he he was cooking there for three hours in the afternoons, and I was just playing with the kids or sitting there having coffee, talking to him. So that was it. Felt me like they really. I don't know. I I felt like I I was in the, in his family for for a lot of time there, so that was really nice of him and uh, great guy. Crazy that you're playing against a couple of those kids now too, yeah. and they're pretty good hockey players as well. Um, I think you you were um, that first year here. Obviously, uh, when when you look back now, there's only the one year in, uh, in your career that the Caps didn't make the playoffs, but that. That season didn't start off uh, very well at all. Um, I mean, you won the first three games, and then things kind of went off the rails there. And you were, 
you were playing on the left side, you were playing down in the lineup. Um, but there, there were some guys. I, th- I think Victor Kozlov was on that team. I think he might have been on your line actually. The um, early. So my first year. Yeah, Kozlov was there first year. Yeah, and then Fedorov came at the end yeah. of that that first year, specifically with with that guy who I think was r- r- just so amazing to watch. You, I, you just pay to watch him skate without a stick in his hands. Yeah. He was so fluid and so graceful, but he had sort of a magnetism and a charisma that was unlike a lot of people and, and you know, had accomplished so much in the game when he came here. Um, and I know he had a huge influence on, on Alex, but he played the same position as you two. What what did you get from, from him in the brief time that, that he was here? Well, I think, I think when I first met him, I just saw he's got a – he was just – I was just telling to myself, like, what a guy. Like – that's the impression I first got when I just said hi to him. And, I mean, I was... I'm not sure that was his f- the first year because I was the assistant ca- captain when he came here. So maybe that was... I, I don't know what year it was, but I just walked up to him and I was like, what am I going to tell this guy? Like, I said, welcome to Washington. He's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like, it means a lot to be here. I'm like, yeah, it means a lot for us too. Like, <laughs> it's great. But, I, I mean, I think... He took such a pride of playing both ways, I think, which I think um, helped out a lot for for our younger players. And I mean, he was playing against Crosby, like against Pittsburgh there when we when we played them there, and he obviously had a big goal in the playoffs. I mean, th- that's that's the kind of player he is. But he was even better person. He was true pro, uh, really, really down to earth guy who really took care of his teammates in the in the locker room and stuff so um yeah i mean i have, have him to thank too i mean watching him on daily basis and practice how hard he works and that's that's just great when you guys finally did win the cup in in 2018 um i think there were Definitely a lot of guys, guys like Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskin and TJ Oshie that, that were added that really lifted you guys to a different level. But I also think there were a lot of guys who weren't around when it happened who who had an impact. Guy like Mike Knubel, guy like Justin Williams. Um, are there guys that, that you can think of along the way that – that even though they weren't there when when you guys reached the promised land that that you thought of and, and thought, you know what? That that's a guy who who, even after he was gone, had a little bit of a positive influence on us. had had a positive influence on us as a group when we were still kind of young and and formidable and going through a lot, um, and probably had a little something to do with this when it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, th- I think those guys you you just named, Justin Williams and <coughs> Knubel, they were first of all terrific leaders. I mean, coming into a young team and they took charge right away and uh, I mean guy like Chimera too uh, he was here for a long time yeah. but I mean as I said too I mean you're you think that I mean you're going to play with the <coughs> players for all your life when they're here but that's not how it works right so um, a lot of guys that had a big impact coming here I mean you got guys like Johansson Marcus mm-hmm. Alsner I mean players that that was here for a while and, and they were and, drafted here and they were drafted here and and unfortunately the, they weren't here when we won but 
at the same time, I mean, I think that's just that's part of the business. But um, but I mean, everyone has has had a big impact here. But looking at those older guys, Knubel and and Williams, they're outstanding leaders. I mean, how they're treating the group and how they were just taking charge and. I mean, they've been been around the league and they won before and they know what it takes too. So I think that was great, great experience for us and, and really helped this group just tagging along. And and of course, Orpik too. I mean, he, he had yeah bigger impact in this team than, than people think. He was um, kind of a quiet guy, but uh, he um, he competed and, and that's what you got to do. And I mean, I I know guys in the guys on the ice hated playing against him because I hated playing against him when he was in Pittsburgh, and he was just mean, which which I think is just it's a great thing to have in the, in your in your team. So that Stanley Cup run, I mean, I think he he really stepped up and he's great in the locker room, great with the young guys, and just helped them out, you know. I think you're exactly right about him. I think that he rubbed off on a lot of people without them even realizing exactly. it. Exactly. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he's not one of these rah rah guys. But the way he, the way he approached games, seasons, um, nights, and, and the way he took care of himself. Um, if you were just watching, you couldn't. You couldn't help but be affected by it. And I think he's still a guy, even though he's not here anymore. He's having an effect when you when you look at the way Ovi takes care of himself now in the summer and the way he works out. To me, I don't know if if that happens without Brooks being here. I think he had a, a, a similar effect on on Lars too. I think that you know you you see what he did and how he was able to extend his career yeah. by doing what he did, and that that's that's a great example. Because look, the the number of years that you guys are able to do this yeah. is pretty finite. Yeah. But if you if you do make some sacrifices, you can extend it. And I think he showed a lot of people that while yeah. he was here. Yeah, exactly. He was he was great at that, and and he had bigger influence than than people think. That's for sure. And no one really talked about it. But um, great guy, and and we miss him. Maybe we should bring him in for the playoffs just to be like a mentor for yeah. us or something. Yeah, his his presence would would definitely be welcome, and I, I'm glad he's. He stayed in the organization and yeah. is still in. And and you know while we're on that that subject, I know that after you signed the contract, I asked you if you, you know, would give any consideration to being an agent. You gave me a great answer, and 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 I absolutely get it. And you know Bobby Orr is an agent, and and I understand why he's an agent too. But what about being a GM? Your dad was a GM. Is that is that something you would you would you want to stay around the game whenever your your playing career is done, whether it's here in the states or, or back home in Sweden? I mean, I think I think time will tell, right? But um, I mean, Washington is my team, and and I mean, I I, I love this, but um, I don't know. I honestly don't see myself as a coach when I retire. So um, maybe something else. Well, who knows? I mean, I I I still love hockey and and still have not a lot of knowledge of hockey. So I mean, I can hopefully I can help help out somehow. But uh, we'll see what see what happens. It's but 
No, go ahead. But first, I gotta finish the career. <laughs> yeah, no, we're it's not. A, we're, we're I know not it's, rush it's hard to hard to think about that now when you're still in. Sure. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll come here, sit down with you, and and talk some hockey. Well, <laughs> I, I think we all knew that that Brooks was a guy who, if he wanted to, could stay in the game and in, 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 in some capacity afterwards. And you, when you look around the league, there's so many ex-caps that that have stayed in the game. Um, even guys that, that you played with, Mike Knubel's an assistant coach in the American League, Jeff Halpern's an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, going back before you started, there's there's tons of ex-caps scattered all over the place that are in management and coaching and, and whatnot. When you look around the room, in the locker room, who's the most likely guy to, to, to coach? And I think, like, not a lot of guys would even want to go into coaching. Do you see a guy in that room that, that you think would – yeah, I can see one guy. Yeah, Tom Wilson probably. I was thinking that guy too. Yeah, yeah. he's got the head for it. I think he. he I, I think he. He's one of the guys that, that's thinking a lot about hockey, and he can. I think he'd be, maybe, interested in being, like a coach or something. Yeah, we'll see how that plays <laughs> out. Yeah, no, I I I totally agree with you. And, you know his. Uh, same thing. His dad didn't coach at a high level, but coached him throughout. And his dad's a great guy to talk yeah. with. Same as your dad. So yeah, there's there's um, I can see some some similarities there as far as where he came from and and all that. Um, speaking of where he came from, you know, we were at your cup day. I learned something that I didn't know about you or your family. Um, your uncle came up and introduced himself to me, and he was drafted by the Caps way back in. In yeah. 1983, Anders, 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 who's yeah, who's yeah, yeah, he was drafted. He uh, that was actually funny because my first year when I lived in apartment here in Boston, he he came over, mm -hmm. him and my brother. So we 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 all three were in it together, and, and that's when I found out that he's he's drafted by Washington, which 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 was kind of funny, and uh, he's pretty emotional too, and and the first. Even if he didn't play here, he was drafted there. And when he first went to the game here, he was just standing there crying. Wow, <laughs> which is which is kind of funny. And uh, what a coincidence! Did did he uh, just not come over? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but uh, he um, he played back home. He was obviously a big profile back home. And yeah, he was on one of those championships. Yeah, games. so he um, I he was just. I don't know if he went over for a development camp or whatever, but uh, he didn't go over. Oh, and your dad was drafted by the Rangers. So yeah. W w did he ever come over for a training camp or anything? No, or he's, he said he was going over for a training camp, but back then you had to do like um, with the military back home, so he had mm. to stay home for two or three months, so he couldn't go over there. But if that would be today, um, he'd probably go over. Yeah, guess that's not mandatory anymore. I mean, it's kind of like Radko's dad was, was a similar story. Was drafted, didn't didn't come over. Um, you know, in those days, it was it was a different different situation here, different uh, situations certainly uh, over there as well. Um, when you look back at at winning the cup in 2018, and you know all the ups and downs in the playoffs that you guys endured for what 10 years before that. 
did it make it sweeter? I mean, you'll never know how it would have played out if you'd won it in 2008, 2009, or whatever. But did it feel like it was because you guys had to overcome so much to get there? Did it feel sweeter? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think it was just... It's hard to describe the feeling, but it was just so much at the same time. Just everything just came out, I think. so. But, I mean, I'm going to say this. Um, all the other years, it felt like we were good. felt like we were a good team. But as soon as we got to the playoff, we didn't play with the same. I mean, obviously, the hockey is different playoffs, yeah. right? I mean, it's so many details. Um, everything matters, right? So, so I honestly think we we've never been really like close before that. I mean, we had good teams, but it seemed like we we didn't really click. We people had good regular seasons, but at the time playoff comes, where you're like everyone, or we're just like scared of making plays and stuff like that instead of just going out there like we did 2018 we we're just i mean when we won the first round in columbus we were, like everything was just clicking like everyone was playing their best everyone was contributing con- contributing and uh, i mean i think that's that's something that played a big role in in our run i mean everyone was on top of their game not just I mean, obviously, we had guys, Kusi, Ovi, that was outstanding in that playoffs. But look at a guy like Matt Niskanen. Mm-hmm. I mean, people never talk about him. I mean, he was so important for us. He played, what, 25 minutes every night, eating shots, blocking shots like crazy. Penalty kill. Always made a tape-to-tape pass. I mean stuff like that. That's that matters, and uh, I I honestly think that everything just clicked. A third and fourth line, they were just outstanding. Yeah. I, I think Lars had what almost twenty points. Lars was huge. Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah, he was. So, I mean, I think that matters. I think and and so so that year it was just. Different feeling too. Different feeling in the locker room. I mean, everyone was kind of like more relaxed and just went in there thinking it was just a normal game. I, I feel like years before we've been like, oh, now it's playoff. Now we have to turn it on. No, we should just play the same way as we do. Like play in the system instead of just like coming up with new things and and not playing as we did that year. It seemed like, like you said, the, the, the bottom six and, and all six defensemen, and I totally agree with you that every every guy, you could point to every guy, even, I mean, how, Nathan Walker and, and uh, Travis Boyd mm-hmm. only played one game, and, and they were they were pretty good because you and, and Berkey and Tom were not in the lineup that night. And, um, man, I still remember the overtime in Pittsburgh. We were all kind of crammed in the coach's office there, a bunch yeah. of us, just a tiny little closet of a room. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, you're for me, I mean, you're just jumping up and down and hugging everybody <laughs> when, when Kuzi scored. And then you guys, I knew I had to kind of put on a face. And so I, I just closed the door and walked outside and just stood there and, you know, look up at the, the clock there that's that's outside. the. Uh, and I remember taking a picture of it and 
um, like you said, I think there was a different feeling, and it was it was even between games. Like you'd come to the rink for practice, and there was it just felt different than it yeah. did every other year before. And it's you know the only thing I could that I had was nineteen ninety eight. I was here when they went to the final and didn't win, and that run it felt the same way. You just couldn't wait to get to the rink the next day, um, and you know you're watching the other games, and it was just such a feeling of excitement the deeper it got and yeah it's 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 what you play for and 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 it's the hardest trophy to win and it's it takes two months and there's so many ups and downs and you can't afford like the most games you can lose in a row is three yeah you guys actually lost three in a row against tampa against tampa and i mean i don't know that i ever saw you guys play better than you did in games six and seven yeah we were We were sharp that those games, I think, and um, I mean nothing against nothing against Caps fans there too. But uh, game seven, we almost all of them we played at home, and usually we've been losing them. So maybe took a little pressure off off our shoulders too. Game seven coming down to Tampa, and Tampa probably felt pressure sure from their home fans and. I remember that game too. We took an early lead, OV score. Yep. And then uh second period there, I think they really, really took it to you. Yeah, they, they, they tried. They were forcing a lot. And then what happens? We Berkey Berkey, Berkey got two breakaways mm-hmm. which is um which what happens, then then it's game over. And that's the system. Yeah. Like you just wait and you're just yeah. letting them play their game and waiting for them to make a mistake and shorten the ice for you. And yeah. And they probably felt like they, they need to get going. So yeah. they attack with all five guys. And here we go, breakaway. Well, so now when we look at this team this year, and we got a little less than two months until the, the end of the regular season. And I think, you know, I mean, you guys are sitting on top of the uh, the conference. It's tight. Uh, the division's still tight. It's kind of amazing to me. Like, I still think you guys have some upside to your game, and I think yeah. you guys seem to think that too. Um, you found a way to win a lot of games that, that maybe you shouldn't have, which I think is a great mark of a of a really good team. So how do you see this team going in, the per, the personnel? Because, again, there's a, there's some similarities. Like, you guys' bottom six, uh, night in and night out basis here, um, since since Carl and, and, and Richard have been healthy and, and that line's been together. Um it's starting to look the, – the forwards are looking pretty good. And to me, that the the one thing, like occasionally you guys will creep into the top ten and goals against, and then there'll be two or three games where you give up three or four or five and you slide back to the middle of the pack. But you guys – typically we say, okay, got to have a good defensive team to win the cup. You guys were middle of the pack the year that you did win it too. Yeah. You just somehow, once the playoffs started, you guys got really stingy. Exactly, and I think that I think that's the key. It's it's hard to tell right now, but I mean, so far it's it's looking good. We're in a good position. We we want to make the playoffs, so I think you can can really tell it when you get into the playoffs, right? That's that's when you know, and that's when you see what um, what you're made of and how you're playing. And and I mean, I think I think in the playoffs you you need to play good defensively, and that's that's maybe an area that. We can be a little bit better at and make sure we're a little sharper and, and better getting out of our own zone, I think, a little quicker. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think that 
I mean, have a good feeling going into the playoffs. That's the biggest, biggest thing. And 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 we all know we we have a lot of guys that's that's been in the playoffs before, and it's a different game. I mean, a lot no of question. details, a lot of details coming in there, and and that's why you need to turn it up. I mean, it's always not going to be the prettiest play in the playoffs. That's it's going to be a couple of rims here and there. Chip and chase, and I mean that's that's what playoffs all about. And you gotta have guys that steps steps up at the right times too. I mean that's that's part of the part of the playoffs. And it seems like you got at least some guys with a, a little bit of a history of that on this team um, as well. And speaking of that, um, number eight, um, I mean we've we've seen him do some amazing things over the years, but I mean he he's in this last month. Uh, what, 14 goals in seven games, uh, five multi-goal games in his last seven. I mean, have you seen him as hot as he is right now? No, I don't think so. Maybe that year when he uh, when he had 65 goals, because I remember the first 20 or 30 games, he had maybe 10 goals. And then he must have had like, I don't know, maybe you know that, but he must have had like, 45 and 50 or 50 and 50 or something like that. He definitely got white hot in the middle of that. Middle of the season there. I remember he he didn't start off, I mean, he started off great if you're asking me, but his... To his standard, His standard is like, yeah, I don't know. He just took off. And that year he just scored on everything. And it reminds me of that year, I think, so... I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, he's he's that kind of player too. When he gets hot, he he's unstoppable. Well, he's he's less than two hundred away from from Wayne Gretzky, and uh, I noticed that you're around two hundred and five assists south of Nicholas Lidstrom, which would he's the all time leader among Swedes in assists. Does that mean anything to you? Would it mean anything to you if you're able to? Yeah, him? yeah. I mean, it would be it would be pretty cool actually. I I think and. And uh, I mean, I didn't know that, but uh, I'm just gonna try to not think about it. But when it happens, I mean, I'm if it happens or yeah, whatever, whatever happens. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool, and and hopefully I can catch him because he was a pretty good player. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> he was, he was. But yeah, I'm with you, Forsberg. Uh, uh, I agree. I think Forsberg was was one of the best of all time. And uh, but, I mean, I think unfortunately, I think, I think him and Nick Lidstrom is. Yeah, it's hard to tell for too. Position because, wise, yeah, position wise, yeah, and and Lidstrom's durability and his his ability to to defend without taking penalties um, was was stellar. Yeah, and he was you know obviously a great offensive player too. But fifteen hundred games plus to just uh, you know a remarkable career. Yeah, so. I think that that story too about about him. Uh, he used to when he was. Yeah, started in the NHL. He used to study guys that he played against, how they, how their stick position was, so he would know when he played against them and their habits and stuff like that. Which I think it's incredible. Like what a player! You he, wanted- he he knew exactly what guys were gonna do before, which is, yeah, that's another level. It is. I mean, you talk about competitiveness. Yeah. That's okay. I'm gonna get the the smallest edge. I'm gonna work for it, but I'm gonna put in the time, and it sure made a difference. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks to Nick Backstrom for spending some time with us. Always good to talk with you, Nikki. But 
um, better in a, a situation like this where we had some some prolonged one-on-one time. Um, appreciate you taking the time and definitely wish you luck here the rest of the uh, regular season and hopefully a long playoff run. And we'll see you on the ice and uh, in the room. Enjoy the rest of your day off here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, been a pleasure. All right. Thanks to Zacharette, as always, for handling the uh, the details here. And we'll be back at you whenever we, uh, whenever we can wrangle up another guest. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Yeah, I'm tired.